This is the True Podcast. Oh my goodness, David, we are going to hit a lot of topics today. Uh, Knicks, Lakers, Donovan Mitchell, Hawks, Nets, the MVP race, our top five teams, and I think like five other things too. Are you ready for this? Drott is still on a beach somewhere. Brittany Brown is here producing. How are you, Brittany? Pretty good. Happy to be here. She's a Wizards fan. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um. Okay, uh, David, you we talked this morning, and I and you kind of opened Pandora's box of a topic that, um, in my personal life, everybody around here where I live just wants to talk about every day, which is, are the Knicks good? And usually, I'm like, oh God, I just like we can't keep talking about Latrell Sprewell anymore. But you were saying to me, like, kind of, yeah, kind, you're kind of excited about the Knicks right now. Yeah, I'm really glad to see. You know, one of the ways you can check the health of a franchise is how their young players are developing. And uh, Obi Toppin isn't, and that's a concern. I thought he was super talented. But uh, Quentin Grimes is, Jonathan Quickly is, R.J. Barrett has recovered from a terrible start. Of course, they're paying him now as, you know, as extension. Uh, I think kicks in, uh, maybe it's already, yeah, kicks in one more year. Yeah, next season. Uh, he's starting to play really well. They went after Jalen Brunson. They got Jalen Brunson. They are, they're paying some kind of fine for Jalen Brunson. But they're reaping the, re- reaping the rewards for Jalen Brunson. Uh, Randall, Julius Randall is kind of doing his thing again and, and um, maybe not as good as he was a couple years ago, but good. And there's just a certain, there's a certain uh, toughness about them, which isn't, I think, a surprise if you're kind of know Tom Thibodeau's story. They're, they're a team of lefties. They're a team of, uh, of toughness and physicalness at the point of attack. And because of it, they're actually competent on both sides. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that they almost blew a 25-point lead to Indiana, Indiana, who was missing two starters, and then Tyrese Halliburton got hurt. But when Halliburton got hurt, it was a blowout, and the Pacers cut it to two in the fourth. And, and Grimes hit a monstrous three late to ice the game and, and put it away. But still, they didn't lose the game. And, uh, yeah, I, I, we, we've been – trashing the Knicks for years, maybe deservedly so. Uh, they, they've got my respect. They're a legitimate team. They're tough on both sides, and they, they kind of know who they are. Uh, Brunson makes a big difference, which is why I think they want them in the first place. So uh, they're good enough where you, they're, not, they're not just going to go – they're not going to get swept in four uh, if you were to do a playoff <laughs> now. A, yeah. It's gonna that's be, not a very high bar. No, no. no. <laughs> what I mean is if they're, if they're a five, six, seven, eight seed – they're gonna be they're gonna be a tough out, and there's month there's a you know 41 games left, give or take a game or two. Uh, they can go get some of the free agency. Obi Toppin can start playing better. Cam Reddish can, you know, he's been lost again, but maybe he would do something. Um, I think that they're yeah they're like I said they're an interesting team. Uh, I like watching them play now, and I haven't said that in a long time. Tell me tell tell our listeners what you told me about how Jalen Brunson scores. Yeah, he plays old school playground basketball. And, and well, I will tell you that the father of an NBA player told me, "Oh, he's just a, a Villanova player." He meant that in a comp- as a compliment. He's very fundamentally sound. Everything's off two feet, but you're going to get hit first before he shoots. He's creating. If you're if he's open, he's open. If he's not open, he just hits you, and bumps you off. He doesn't extend his arm, which is almost always called a foul. Uh, he uses his big body which is brilliant. He's a brilliant basketball player. He's not tall. He's not fast. He's not really very quick. Uh, you wouldn't call him an athlete. And yet he's a bucket, just an absolute bucket, like it was in college. 
and uh, he just knows how to play. He sets his, the pace the way they want to play. Uh, yeah, he's a terrific player. And, and rolling. Had 44 the other night, I think in 30-something last night. They're rolling. And uh, he's, you know, he's rolling, and I think that's a big part of why they're playing so well. But also the other guys are stepping up too, which is nice to see. I don't want to compare my like college playground experience to Jalen Brunson or anything in the NBA, but like there were a lot of these guys in New York, uh, in New York city of the early nineties or whatever, who like, as you're playing defense, you're just like, I just flew backwards and I'm not totally sure what happened. <laughs> right? You're like, like I have been moved out of position and I think it's probably a foul, but like, are you going to call that foul? You know, like on the playground in New York, like no one gives a shit about that foul, right? Like it's just just a lot of center of mass has come into my chest, and ah, like and that's what I see when I see Jalen Brunson. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a fan of that, and uh, I was I probably looked like Jalen when I was in my early. I was probably a little thinner, but um, I I my next door neighbor. I've told you the story was six three with like a six eight wingspan. Very he's probably the best defender in Florida. And we grew up as brothers. We, we were, we were uh, one month apart in age, month and a half apart in age. They, we moved into our houses a day b- between each other. And the only way you can get space against that guy when he really grew into his body was to use your body. And so when I got to college and, and, and mostly just played intramural and pick up on the streets, no one else had 6'3", six, 6'8", six, wingspan or something like that. Uh, and so it was very easy to score over them. But I still played a lot of pickup with you know guys that played for the Gators uh, Vernon Maxwell types because he was on our team then. And I could get my shot off because I just hit you first. They never call that in pickup. They tend to call it in the NBA, not when Brunson does it. He uses his hips. He uses his shoulders. He's got a nice, He's got great fakes. So you, you, the reason why you fake a lot of times is not just to get the defender maybe to foul you, which he's good at that, but it also completely disrupts the defender's timing to contest or to block. Mm-hmm. So he's one of the best. In fact, I have a young player I'm helping now, and I'm going to send him. I already sent him this morning, Jalen Brunson, one play where he faked. I'm going to send him like five others of just how you can't time up your contest with him because he's so good at faking. And then if, as soon as he catches you waiting, he'll release it quickly, quick release shot, so you can't get it that way either. He's got all of it, so he's got the whole package. Uh, he's worth what they're paying him. Okay, so David, you we like to brag about your predictions here, and I know that at one point someone went through every ESPN expert's published published predictions, and yours were by far the most accurate. That was just for the 60%. playoffs, though. That was just for the playoffs. Yeah, the years of the playoffs. Yeah, but anyway, but yeah, everyone was like, everyone like me was like around fifty something percent, and which is which, frankly, is not a gambling strategy. But you <laughs> were, as I recall, a gambling strategy. So we're, we're bragging about that, but they're not. You know, sixty percent is not a hundred percent, and now we're going to delve into some of the yeah. 40%. Bring it on. Will. Um, all right. So let's just a couple of misses here. Um, we published a story, um, an impassioned, informed story about the say, predicting the Hawks would win a title one of these years. Yeah. Um, how, how are we doing on that? Bad. <laughs> you, you don't got to say we. You can just blame me. I really. That's part of it. I yeah. really liked what I. They, they made the Eastern Conference Finals and were not an easy out for Milwaukee in the finals. Uh, and then, you know, they've, they've lost, they've traded young players that I thought had talent. And uh, now they've lost management. They've changed coaches. Um, wait, no, no. McMillan came in. Yeah, he came in. He was, he was coaching there. Lloyd was the guy coaching. And then Nate mm-hmm. took over and got them to the finals. They've lost their desire to play defense, which is something Nate normally is great at. Trey Young has become really an enigmatic leader 
if you I, I use that term in quotes, I guess. Um, they got DeJounte Murray, which I was fine with that, but they're kind of broken right now. Okay. They they I thought had just like I thought the Utah Jazz had the roster to contend for years, and they broke it up for a different reason, which I know we'll discuss later. That's not why Atlanta is failing. The issue that happens in Utah is not happening in Atlanta. They're failing from a lack of leadership and a lack of guidance and maybe uh, their best player not being so easy to play with. And it's it's unfortunate because Trey Young may never be in a better situation based on talent than, than he was in Atlanta as a young player. It's hard to get those situations. And it's a mess. Well, and he's like, you know, when we first were looking at bonus wins, Trey Young was like the best, most efficient contract in the league, basically. He's on an excellent player. Deal. On his rookie deal. Yeah. On his rookie deal. Um, and he's an incredible scorer, but it's kind of important. He's not Steph Curry, right? Nope. Like, um, and, and the biggest difference is on defense, right? Like he's, you know, Steph Curry is an average pl- or slightly plus defender, which is a giant difference to your team than where Trey Young is. Yes. So that's one thing, but I, I think there's something deeper than that. And that is, uh, Steph, Steph plays with joy. And I think it, 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 it he doesn't just exude joy. I think he incites joy amongst his team. And, and that helps resolve conflicts and get through storms. And also, he's the assassin that will motherfuck your ass on the road with a smile Whoa. on his face. Whereas <laughs> Trey has got into this evil you know, villain personality, which plays great for the media. And everyone hates him when he's on the road. But it looks like he plays that part on his own team. Hasn't figured out how Steph can, everyone can hate. If you're playing against Steph, you may respect him, but you hate seeing him. You'd much rather not see Steph Curry. And he's able to play both sides of, I can still be this joyous, inspirational teammate and still be the guy that the other team wants to kill. And Trey hasn't got that other part solved. He's young. He's allowed to change. But I don't know if he values defense. I would argue that he doesn't. He doesn't seem to value the joy part where everyone gets to feel that joy. I always tell the story of when KD came, uh, they were about to win the championship. And I think the Warriors were up like five with seconds to play. Game was over pretty much. And Steph was driven the ball, and KD demanded the ball. This was, you know, game whatever it was in that series. And Steph quickly threw it to him like, hey, whatever, if you want it, you got it. But it's Steph Curry. Like, I don't think Trey Young would do that. Mm -hmm. You know, he just he's still going to dominate. Again, he's young. Uh, at some point, you you realize it's not about me; it's about we. And I don't think that Trey has has got that yet. And but because of that, the team has kind of faltered. Now it's definitely it's below five hundred, and they shouldn't be. They're much more talented than that. All right, so that's good. So you were a little wrong on that, but we're going to blame Trey Young. I'm fine with that. No, it's um, my fault for believing, <laughs> my fault for believing Trey Young would grow, and and the franchise. I don't think helped him. They they traded yeah. Cam, Cam Reddish. Uh, uh, I and he's not playing in New York, but that does not mean he wasn't had a, didn't have a chance to be a great player. Henry, we've seen you and I have been covering this league a long time. We've seen a whole bunch of guys who look like they couldn't play until they could. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Wiggins, who was much better than Cam Reddish was when he was 20 years old, it, it, it grew hugely when he got to Golden State. So so Atlanta needed to create that for Cam. DeAndre Hunter getting hurt didn't help. He's been injured almost every year. That's a big factor. He was a key defensive player for them. But it's a failure for the franchise, and it's my failure for believing in a franchise that had never done anything before 
And it looks like now that was a one year, a one postseason flash in the pan. Yeah. Well, yeah. And Lloyd Pierce left with, you know, reports of like friction with Trey. Right. Right. And then Nate arrived with like, we're going to make things nicer for Trey. Right? Yeah. That doesn't mean it's going to work. Right. right. And, and let's let's face it. Lloyd is the top assistant coach for maybe only the biggest surprise team in the NBA, the Indiana Pacers. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying Rick Carlisle doesn't deserve great credit. They coach. He does. But Lloyd is the number two. And uh, they're really delightful to watch. And you yeah. and I thought very much of Lloyd Pierce. I, I saw no reason why any person wouldn't respect that man as a man. And let me He's tell you the something. reason they got voting in the yep. state farm arena. And, and that whatnot, matters. Right? Like, yeah. And we'll talk about that later with Utah too. But I, as someone who deals with players, you know, all the time, when they respect you as a man, it's much easier to coach them. Even if you're not really a great coach. And I have no idea if Lloyd is or isn't, but I know they'd respect him as a man. Or at least I suspect that they would. And they should respect Nate. It doesn't seem like they do. And so they're really at a, they're at a crossroads right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, on to our delightful topic of failed predictions. Um, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. over Luka Doncic. This is what you said you would have done. Um, how do you feel about it now? Yeah, I just thought he was a better prospect. I, I failed, and I loved Luka. I, I talked about Luka on our show, uh, on our articles, whatever. When I wrote about him, he dominated the EuroLeague as a teenager, and I had clients in the EuroLeague. I know how good the league is. I just thought Jaron Jackson would be better. The mistake I made, is I called Jaron Jackson, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Tim Duncan 2.0. That was his projection. This is the first year where it really looks like that's what he's going to be. He's shooting the three. He's, he's, he's the best defensive player in the world now. Rudy Gobert is not. Jaron Jackson is. I don't know if he'll win the defensive player of the year. He's got to keep doing it. But I suspect that he will win the defensive player of the year award based on what I'm seeing now. And he's become a much better offensive player overall. So, I mean... I think I'm smart for saying he's Tim Duncan 2.0. My failure is in not realizing Luca is like, you know, the Slovenian KD in a sense. Like mm-hmm. no one can stop this guy. When you look at, and I know I send you these charts, Henry, when you look at these charts, I like basketball index, whatever, that have the headshots of players and they do them, the, the axis is of uh, who's making the most tough shots. KD is in a world of his own. And then there's Luca in a world of his own. And then there's mm-hmm. everybody else in the NBA. So what he's doing is remarkable, and I didn't project that kind of dominance. So yeah, I was wrong. I, I thought I thought Jaron Jackson was the better prospect because I thought I mean, Tim Duncan the top six, top seven all time. And uh, now Jaron Jackson has a long way to go to be Tim Duncan because he did it for you know a decade plus. But as good as he is, Luca looks like he's going to be the better player. Who would you rather have right now, Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, but, but I like only it. oh, I don't know Luca. If I, if yeah. uh, no, I can tell you this, it's fair for me to say this. So I was talking to an agent who told me that uh, Luca wants a particular player. I, I just can't say who it is. It doesn't matter. He's mm. not going to get him. But, but when the agent asked me, what do I think? And I said, well, I wouldn't necessarily want to go play. You know, he told me the team wanted this player. And, uh, and I said, I, I wouldn't do it because Luca just wants to really score and I don't know if he's willing to be a real great, you know, wee player. Mm-hmm. And the agent said, no, no, Luca's the one who told the team, go get this guy. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's true, and I have no reason to doubt it, but it was really true. And Luca really did learn, which he, there's no reason why he can't learn. Like what Dwayne Wade learned with LeBron and what Steph learned with KD. 
I probably would lean towards Luca. I'm a defensive-minded guy, so it's easy for me to say Triple J anyway. Plus, Gerard might kick me. You may fire me for being wrong on these predictions. Gerard may fire me from mm-hmm. from giving a, any kind of hate to Triple J. No, so you are. I'm, I'm in trouble. Nice. Right, yeah, I may not be back sure. on Monday. Um, yeah. yeah. I, let's, but, enjoy, let's enjoy this time together, David. Let's just, yeah. <laughs> but Luca is uh, – there's no reason why Luca can't win multiple championships – if he if he's if he's willing to play with other guys, and I, I think that he probably would be. But you, let's just. I still like Triple J better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I listen. I didn't want to. I I turned down college jobs and I've turned down one head NBA job because I just I don't deal with losing well um, in that sport. You can beat me in chess all you want or rummy cube. I'm a fine sport, but I I don't sleep well, and and it's only because if we don't guard, it really bothers me. It, it hurts my heart. When I, I watch G League games and NBA games last night in college games, it hurts my heart when I see bad defense. It just hurts my heart, Henry. And so <laughs> Triple J makes my heart gladdened. You know, the way that guy can help everybody, it makes me so happy. <laughs> I just want to be happy, Henry, goddammit. Jaron Jackson Jr. for cardiac health. Yes. Well, that's the deal. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and Luca okay. not. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, last, last uh, in our little list of um, predictions. Uh, I think I remember you making and when Franz Wagner came up in the draft. I think you were like, eh. I thought he, you I might said have he actually made that noise. I said he was soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then what did he do last night? He had 15 in the fourth quarter, 29 in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, did, and who they beat? I don't know. No idea. No one knows. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah, that was in Portland too. Yeah, it was in Portland. Yeah, that was. In he's Portland. like 21 years old, averaging 20 points a game. Yeah, and he, he's on Travis's fantasy team right but he doesn't do much for fantasy except score but he's just 21 like uh i don't know that he i don't think he can be you know you know me i don't i never think about you have to be the best one player two player you got to get a bunch of good players to win a championship he he can be one of those guys uh i was wrong to write that he was soft i did watch tape i did not love his uh his effort and energy as at anything but scoring he is not soft, even even separate from scoring. I don't think he does a lot of other stuff yet. I don't think he's soft. I, I was wrong. And uh, he's a terrific player. And Orlando has got themselves two dynamic forwards. Paolo, I think, can do everything. Franz can score fine. They got to get more help, but they're, they should be very happy with those two guys. And I'm happy to say I was wrong about Franz. He won't be the last guy I'm wrong about, that's for sure. No, no, it's hard. It's a hard projecting is hard in yeah. anything, right? Um, okay, David, thank you very much for letting us uh, beat up your reputation a little bit. <laughs> Let's take a little break, deep breath. We'll come back in a second <laughs> with some more positivity. And we're back. All right, David, we published a big Lakers story yesterday. Any follow up thoughts? I forgot. Man, these days are are so different. It's flying. Um, I really liked what uh, the conversation that we had about the Lakers, and. Uh, I think you and I have convinced ourselves that LeBron is probably just going to end up being in LA the rest of his career. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, we, we wrote it, the golden goose. He's just, I'm sure he makes the Lakers franchise so much money. He's still playing great. So why exactly would you trade him? Um, the question is, do you trade one or both of their for a future first rounders? And uh, my answer always is, and I think we wrote this, what, what are you getting for it? Like it's got to really be meaningful, and I do not think you should trade one for Bojan, Bojan Bogdanovic from Detroit at 31 years of age. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they won't do it. I'm not saying but you they... nominated a bunch of people in their early 20s who would be right. 
great three and D players, right. and that makes a lot of who sense. Who can be there a long time, and and if LeBron if LeBron says I want out, which he can say next year, you you have to trade him. And so if you if you end up trading a first round pick for one of these other guys, you still have Anthony Davis. Not that he couldn't also demand to be traded too. Um, but yeah, I just those guys are sure things uh, to some degree. Denny Abdia, who can't shoot but can really guard and is twenty two years old, whatever. You know, he's the worst player I suggested they trade for. Uh, and you could always move those guys. If you trade a first for them and they play well for you, you can always get a first back for them, typically anyway. I It's funny. I was thinking about this. Like, we obsess over, you know, what's the most efficient, rational, reasonable course of events, right? And I don't know who your icon of that would be. Maybe, you know, Daryl Morey and the Rocketeers or whatever. Yeah. He's just going to... He's Dork Elvis, right? And even Dork Elvis at peak dork Elvis was like, look, once you have a certain percent chance of winning a title, just go all in. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile. So that's, that's the super rational view is right. If you're maybe over 5% likely to win a title, just throw all the chips in. Cause you're not going to, it's a one of 30 propositions. So it takes a, a long shot strategy to win every time. Um, meanwhile, the Lakers are kind of the YOLO team anyway, right? They're the team that's like, we're betting the farm on big stars and, you know, they're going to ride this LeBron train as far as they can. Right. So like in a way it feels like, of course, go all in. Right. Like if, if they're, they're Vegas says they're 2% likely to win a title. You say it's much more than that. And you've convinced me that like, you know, they might be at this five, six, seven, eight percent threshold. So, all right. Anthony Davis could be MVP level player could be coming back this year. And he's practicing now, right? He's back on doing something. On I, the court. I don't know if he's actually practicing. They think it's right. They think if he's shooting. Standing he's up and still. moving. Right. He's up and moving. And he's yeah. walking to game. He's going yeah. to the games, walking. He's not staying home. on he's road not trips. in a boot. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, um, it's, it, they, I heard yesterday that they think it could be before the all-star break, maybe right. even before February. I have argued we're not going to see that cat until after the all-star break, but I, it's based on nothing other than a hunch of we're dealing with stress fracture, which is strictly about pain, managing pain until it's all healed. And right. so, so why not I'm wait sure two more right. weeks? But if you're a genie bus from Rob Palinka and you're watching practice every day, it's like, you know, you're going to know enough by the trade deadline that you're going to think you're going to yeah. know if he's back or not. That's right. Right. If, he, if he really is coming back, then it does seem like a one pick for a three and D 25 yeah. year old like yeah doesn't seem that risky. again if that's what you're doing i i subscribe if you're getting yeah. bogdanovich i don't subscribe yeah i think and Too old. and i think there's there's i mean i gave you a couple there's there's plenty yeah uh, terry rogier is playing unbelievable right now but they have dennis Schroeder is playing unbelievable why would you do that yeah you know there's um so now you have to you have to you know people have hammered the lakers front office for the roster construction i have not as you know, I have been consistent since the summer. I believe in Kendrick Nunn. I may be wrong. He's starting to show some signs. The guy missed over a year. I believe in Thomas Bryant. He's already arrived. Uh, I, I like Austin Reeves very much. I was not a fan of Troy Brown, but he's starting to grow on me a little bit. Uh, their, their, their rookie, Max Christie, has a chance. He's years away, but uh, he won't help this year. Wenyan Gabriel, who I was down on, I no longer am down on. He is he is just what you need off the bench. And I think they've got some flexibility with that roster when AD is healthy. So my point is, I, I do not I have not trashed Rob Palenka for this roster construction. However, it doesn't mean he won't fuck up potential trade. So, oh, for so sure. yeah. but that's how it is. It does it's not none of it's rockets, none of it's 
a formula that always works, not an algorithm. If he hits a home run with it and gets the right guy and AD is healthy and LeBron is healthy, yeah, I think that team can be – and the way they've got Russell – you know, Darvin Ham's not going to get worse as a coach. He's been bad, in my opinion. He's not going to get worse. He's going to gain experiences and figure some stuff out and, and maybe get more comfortable holding guys accountable. That's certainly possible. What he's done with Russell, uh, he, with all these guys injured the other day in Denver, Henry, he still brought Russell off the bench. There's no argument for that. They started Max Christie, other than to say, I don't want to get Russell back in the starting lineup and have to deal with him demoting him again and his mind demoting when, it, when uh, the other guys come back. So mm-hmm. that's him showing a little bit of, of uh, toughness. Like, yep, mm-hmm. this is your role now, so you're married to it. Deal with mm-hmm. it. Uh, I like that. I like that he's done that. And I just want to say, Thomas Bryant, former Washington Wizard, we are infamous <laughs> for trading players that go on to blossom and do great things on other teams. Um, and literally, me and my brother had a, like, we joked about it. Like, we saw the moment that we knew Russell was leaving. It was the moment, like, in early 2021 when, like, AD and LeBron crashed his postgame interview, and we were like, well, that was fun while it lasted. Oh, wow. <laughs> and literally, I think that was the moment because he had a triple dub that game. They, uh, the Wizards actually won that game. Him and Bradley Beal have really built up a kind of like a nice thing going to hit. You know, Beal was rocking the baby. I, they I, were thought, good. I thought they yeah. were good. So yeah. I just want to say that that was a clear divining moment. And also, Thomas Bryant is, is, I don't, I don't, I don't know why we get rid of such great players and don't hold on. Well, he, he wasn't traded. They, they could have signed him. He signed for a minimum in LA. But they had Daniel yeah. Gafford and Porzingis. The question, and I said this at the time, is why don't you trade for Porzingis when you have both Gafford and Bryant Correct. and you can exactly. pay them both I mean, 15 he was injured, a year? Yeah. yeah, he was hurt last year. But yeah. as I said on the show, I think Monday, guys recover from ACL injuries now, especially younger guys. He was 24 when he got hurt, for crying out loud. But yeah, that, don't, don't, bring it, don't bring the Wizards into this, Brittany. <laughs> anyway, like, uh, anyway, I can. I try. Gerard, I know, Gerard I know does that with Memphis, but at least Memphis has a fun story to tell. I mean, you know, hey, I, you can't help where you're from. So I, I, I can't, you know, any, 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 at any point, if I can just slide, slide the Wizards in there, even if it's just a slither of a point, I'm going to do it. Okay, new challenge. Like, you know, we have whatever left in the show, 20 minutes. Get, get the Wizards in there as many times as you can. <laughs> Good. Up for the challenge. Your challenge. <laughs> Let's go. Um, <laughs> all right. David, how can the Nets uh, use this time without KD to actually get better? Yeah, well, if they just tread water, they're getting better. Yeah. They find a way to because that because think about it. I always think about the uh, Joel Embiid, the non-Joel Embiid minutes in that Sixers Raptors series, where when mm-hmm. when Joel played, I, I swear it was like plus seventy. In no, oh, just in raw numbers. Yeah, yeah raw like numbers plus yeah, seventy yeah, yeah. in raw numbers yeah. in you know eighty percent of the minutes that the teams played. In the 20% he was out, they got people over 100 points. They got destroyed. Yeah. And they lost the series. So um, this is where I think uh, if they can find a way just to be even more or less, which means you win half your games, you, you win half, lose half, without KD, that's a really good sign that we can survive his non-minutes going forward when he comes back because he's been so incredible. Maybe maybe the MVP before this injury. So a one lineup I looked up that's been effective hasn't played a lot is Kyrie and Seth and Joe Harrison. You don't want to be one of the best shooters in the league and Ben, Ben Simmons, who's coming tops. I think he's 94th percentile now in, EP, in defensive EPM. Mm-hmm. He needs to attack more and score a little bit more, but that looks like a lineup with four shooters around Ben that, that pretty impressive. And, and uh, they've got, I think 
keep building with Claxton. Uh, they've got to really identify defensively. It's got to really, it's got to be a thing where we just can't outscore people without him. And so, uh, so much of defense is people talk about effort and everything. All that's true. It's also a mental discipline to execute the plan. Get over screens, get under screens. Uh, uh, when you, when you, when you switch against a shooter, jump switch, which means jump up into their face. So, cause there, there's always that little lag on a switch where a shooter can shoot it or maybe attack a gap if he's a driver. So you've got to really be strong in that, that moment of time, that blink of an eye when the switch is actually happening, mm-hmm. where we don't lose our, our defensive priority, whatever that is. And so you've got to be mentally sharp for that. Uh, I, so if you watch a game, as I do, like starting at you know, 6.45 this morning, and I'm watching a, a particular player get upright defensively. And then he sits back down when he's supposed to. And most, most veteran NBA players time it up well, almost all the time, but not always. And you, when you're missing KD, you can't have one, potentially one possession where you think I can stand up because I'm not in danger. And then by the time something happens, I sit down, I'm okay. And then you're not okay. And they score, get an and one or a three. They have to eliminate those. Because you're not, you don't have KD to bail you out like you have. But I think Jacques is holding them accountable for stuff. And uh, I think the big reason why, I'm sure, it's why they're doing better. Steve Nash stays. I don't think they're doing this. Even if Kyrie is without drama, they're not doing this. So you got to do that kind of stuff. You really got to hit the glass. They're not a great rebounding team, if I remember right. They, they, gotta, they just got to win more possession battles, lower turnovers, less offensive rebounds given up. And uh, and then find some offensive units that can really click. Like like that's one that I mentioned is is Irving Curry, Harris, Yuta, and uh, and Ben. So David, you talked about speed lineups. Like you're know, having different lineups for different things. Yeah. But it occurs to me that with Kyrie and Ben and like Nick Claxton, did they have? Can they make a convincing speed lineup? My concern with that lineup is the two total non-shooters, which sometimes you get away with more in the regular season than you can the postseason mm-hmm. uh, for different reasons we can talk about if you want. Um, I, I think that'd be fine when you consider it, certainly in Seth and Kyrie's case, uh, you've got to employ what Golden State does, which is they turn Looney and Green into screeners. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this, I think, on Monday some. Well, you can do that with those guys and, and just throw it to them and play the get game with them. And if you want to sag back on Ben and... Uh, and Claxton, when those guys are going to burn you all night long. Mm-hmm. And so I also, boy, I'd really like to see them try to weaponize Ben more. I'd love... Six hit, attempts, six field goal attempts a game before this injury. So maybe now... Yeah, let's see if, if they can get shooting a little yeah. more. Be much yeah, I, I, this would be a novel idea. And it's also, again, I've, I've teased this. We're going to do a story on this. Maybe Jock or some assistant coach take Ben out to lunch or have coffee in the morning <laughs> and watch some film with him. Mm-hmm. just the two of you and talk about how when you don't attack, you're being selfish. You're so worried about your reputation. This is a theory. They know better than me uh, you, that you won't, you're so worried about it. You won't attack. It's going to hurt us without KD with KD. Mm-hmm. It's all right. We found a way to make it work. We need you to grow a little bit. And if you fail, I got your back. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about it in the press conference that it's my, if, as a coach, it's our coaching staff's decision to have you shoot more, attack more. I don't care if you miss 20 straight free throws. Mm-hmm. We are going to, the more free throws you miss, the more we're going to applaud you 
for getting to the line. And because now every time one of our other teammates who can really shoot free throws well gets fouled, they're going to go to the free throw line because we're going to be in the bonus earlier. We need you to engage that way. And it's dare to be great. (laughs) Every time, I don't know if you have Sirius, but when I'm on Sirius, I'm I'm not a fun guy to drive with because every every time I hear a song I like, you know, it's 800 channels, whatever. I always think, get to be great. And I tune it to find even a better one because that's how I am. With Ben Simmons, buddy, dare to be great. <laughs> and when it comes to radio, I, I won't go skiing. I don't cliff dive. I don't shark fish. But I dare to be great on the radio. So, Ben, dare to be you great. fearless, sir. Right, right. In the comforts <laughs> of my, my car, my very nice sedan. Dare to be great, Ben. We got your yeah. back. You're our best defensive player. And you're trending into all-NBA-level defense. We're mm-hmm. so thankful for that. But now's the time. Let's find out what you can do on offense. When KD gets back, if we need to you know, throttle you down some, great. If that's what you want to do, fine. Let's see where we're at here. If we lose every game, I got your back. And, you, and the team needs to tell them that too. Mm-hmm. The players. Who, it's been, I feel like every coach he's had has been trying for a long time. Honestly, I was thinking a really good podcast would be to go to Brett Brown and just have him like tell, tell all. Like he's a really fun, entertaining talker. And yeah. just be like, what, what did you try, Brett? What failed with you, right? And just have yeah. him just... He saw so much drama. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think I think Ben's best year points per game was 17. I, I'm just guessing offhand. I think it was okay. 17. What's yeah. he at now? Eight? Six? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We need to we need to try to get back to that. If you can play elite level defense, you're healthy enough to score more on offense. And mm-hmm. and we need you now. Okay. Uh we wow, we have a lot to get to still, but we're gonna do this. Um who is the MVP right now? Oh shoot. That was not in the doc, was it? It is. I'm looking at it right now. We planned for this. Um, oh, uh, Nikola Jokic. Hello. I know. Yeah. The other candidates are like Luka, Embiid, Curry, yeah. Tatum. Is there anybody else who goes on that list for you? No, Giannis has been down a little bit. Yeah, Giannis is um, right there. Uh, I, would, I would pick Jokic. I think, uh, yeah, Embiid yeah. right there. Luka, of course, is unbelievable. But um, I think Jokic has been the best. He's been the player on his team. What are they, number two in the way? Oh, John Morant may deserve some talk anyway mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh his metrics may not be quite the same but his team is one of the best um i think i'll give it to Jokic. yeah what about you yeah i mean i i think you have to at this point if we're voting now which is so crazy because it's like hey kids everyone who thought you had to like run and jump like just don't well <laughs> you know what i mean like, he's, he's like, seven foot doesn't matter anymore with gigantic right mitts i mean he moves the ball like a water polo player yeah. um uh, I mean, we have advanced metrics for a reason. The argument we made, and I wrote about this to start the season, um, it's, you know, you know who else has won three straight MVPs? There's only two guys that have done it. I know. This is where it gets, this is where I think the voters are just going to not give it to him. Right. right? Like, I think you're right. So um, it's three Wilt, straight is like Jordan. It's Wilt, no, Wilt and Bird. Oh. Am I wrong? Did Jordan do it too? I don't think he did. Right. I think um, it was Wilt and Bird. That's it. Those are as legendary figures you're going to get. Right, yeah. there's Mount Rushmore names. Nikola Jokic from Serbia. I think the the Nuggets. Realistically, I think the Nuggets probably have to have like the, the best, best record yeah. in the league. Or and they're right, right there. Close. They're close. Yeah, they're close. I, they yeah. they don't defend. They, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't trust them because of that defensive issues. Of which he's a story in that. But again, we have advanced metrics for a reason. He's the best player in all of those. All of the, mm-hmm. that I've seen. Um, some people think Bill Russell also of... won too. Sorry, real quick. Bill Russell also won the um, three in a row. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bill, so, Will, and Larry. There you go. So Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. like I said, I missed one. But Russell, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. 
So I just <laughs> I don't trust people giving it to Jokic unless like you you're right. If they're the one seed in the West and he just finishes with a flourish, which every game's almost a flourish for him. It's really it's the classic case. You know, we talk about sometimes we talk about how, how some teams play with their food, like the, the killer whales that throw the seals up in the air. Like, mm-hmm. I swear that's what Jokic looks like in games. I watch him play a lot. He, he's, it, you, you know, remember when Wilt led, well, you won't remember, but Wilt led the league in assists. Mm-hmm. He was just bored scoring for, and he probably mm-hmm. had 10 other reasons. Jokic is that way sometimes. He played the Lakers without half their team. And he, uh, I'm just getting a triple double today. You know, who leads the league in triple doubles. Him. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna guess Nick. Yeah, Williams. I mean, yeah. he's just whatever yeah. he wants to do. He's such such an extraordinary talent. This reminds me. This season reminds me a little bit of the year that like LeBron was clearly the best player in the league, and then they around this time of year they started up this little like Derrick Rose MVP narrative thing, and like Derrick Rose had a he had a better story. Yeah. Right. Like, just it made sense. It was more fun to watch. It was reinforced by the Sports Center top ten every night, and like I think that. I don't think Joe sports fan really understands Jokic or sees him much. You know, he's playing late at night on, he's not on national TV all that much. Um, you know, I just think there's like, he's a little vulnerable, which is why he's, I think fourth or fifth in Vegas is like, you know, odds for winning yeah. MVP. Um, it seems uh, like a year that someone's going to some, I have a feeling it might be like Jason Tatum. Somebody's going to like close in a fury and take all the votes. It's it, you're, you're might be right. It's, I would argue this though. When when that happened with Derek, I was I was at ESPN with you then. Uh, I don't think we knew advanced metrics like we do now, and I mean we, meaning I, I was always paying close attention. And when you work with John Hollinger, you have no choice. Um, but I think the average media person who's voting mm-hmm. is more tied into advanced metrics. I do consume a lot of basketball podcasts. And so I'm listening to a lot of these guys. No, the Howard Becks of the world are tuned right. into Jokic's. A lot of them are now. They're, yep. they're, they are yeah. paying attention. And I'm so glad that they mm-hmm. do. I don't care that people like Barkley complain. I, I, he's an entertainer and one of the best players of all time for sure. But he is not the, the science guy. And we have science for a reason. We're always working at it. I'm not saying it's perfect. Um, but I've been saying Jokic is best player in the world now for three straight years. And I thought for a period of time this season, AD was. Mm-hmm. And, but that, that day is long past. He got hurt. And Jokic is that guy. And again, the metrics support, support it. Let's see how it goes. But Denver's playing really well without a great roster. Um, yeah. I think I give it to the Jokic. Okay. Think Embiid could have, sorry, Ruby, you think Embiid could have uh, won it last year? Or was it was kind of no. a loss up and people felt. Oh, no, I, de- I definitely thought Jokic deserved it last year, but I think Embiid's absolute, absolutely, but I think Philly, I, I picked them to win the East before the year mm-hmm. started, and mm-hmm. I'm still very high in the Sixers. I'm not. Yeah, I am. For the regular, for the regular <laughs> season. Me too. I am. For the regular season, I think they're terrific. Mm-hmm. And um, to Henry just said, someone's going to surge. Well, Joel wants it. Like, you got to want to score 45 for like three straight games or something. And I think James Harden would be happy to deliver it. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he's, I think they're starting to come together. There's, there's some camaraderie, like building, and I see it. I see there's those. No, there's no doubt. Yeah, there's. I have friends on the team. There's no mm. doubt that they're clicking, and uh, and I think James would love to get Embiid. That and I really think he's unselfish that way, and he can deliver a lot of good passes. Um, but Jokic still, you, I mean, it's not easy to do what Jokic does. Embiid's got to really work at it, and because uh, Joel uh, uh, Nikola does it effortlessly almost he's just a 
Yeah. You could put Well, him- this is where... I mean, I joked about running and jumping with yeah. Jokic, but like it is a significant long-term tactical advantage that he doesn't tax his body as much as Joel Embiid does, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Joel no. goes so hard; he, he falls down he falls all, the all the time, and he has to like he scares me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the way he plays is so hard on him, right? Yeah. Whereas the way Jokic plays is pretty. I mean, it's still NBA basketball; it's really, really hard. Yeah. On He's him. way more like, light on his feet, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jumping is hard on you, right? Like jumping. Yeah, but Joel also kills it from the second box. You know, he, oh, he's yes, got, yeah. I mean, he's, I know, I know you're not saying he's not enormously skilled. Of course, he's amazing. And to do that at his size is even more breathtaking. Um, but no, I think, and I, and Jay, Henry said Tatum. I mean, I think, uh, and Luca is, Luca's not going anywhere unless they do make a trade. If the, if the Mavs make a trade, Luca's numbers may go down a little bit and the team goes up. And that probably helps Luca. You know, if they suddenly become a top four team in the West, which they're not now. I don't honestly. I don't think Luke is going to win it for because Dirk won it, and it was embarrassing when they gave him the award after they were eliminated from the playoffs. Right? Mm. It looks just like that. The white guy from Dallas, right? Who yeah, puts up something and then just like this is exactly the same. And everyone knew the day they presented the Dirk award, it was like, oh, this is, feels a little stupid. Well, they just got like, They got to. They got to deliver that award like into <laughs> game two, right? <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. Adam Silver. Adam Silver has already got Plan B. Totally. Right, there's things that Adam Silver's not planning for, but that's something he's planning for. Is if Dirk but they do them, they kind of unofficially do them in order, right? Yeah, they and do. like they build up to the MVP, mm-hmm. and like they, they kind of need you to make the second round, right. like mm-hmm. they just do, right? Well, or he'll just say, you know what, this year let's start with the MVP. We'll yeah, end with Rookie of the Year, or Defensive Player of the Year, or whatever. <laughs> 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 all right, all right, let's keep moving here. Um, I think, David, you um, kind of want to tee up on the Rockets, and I'm here for that. So <laughs> let's go ahead. <laughs> oh, I forgot about, I forgot about that. Uh, only uh, I, I asked you what you thought, but I asked yeah. an agent the other day who, um, who's very well connected, uh, what, what's going on with Houston, do you think? And he said, oh, it's a clown show. That's the first thing he said. I was really surprised, actually. Um, I follow some of the people who follow the Rockets well. Uh, they have a lot of young talent. Uh, I saw a real big Rockets booster on Twitter lament uh, Jalen Green's lack of progress mm-hmm. as a player. I've not paid attention recently to it. Um, it's a concern. You know, I've read the reports. I don't believe them for one second that that's where James Harden, it looks like he's going. They have lots of money to spend. And maybe they're dumb enough to spend it on James Harden. And maybe they'd make some money because he'd bring fans in seats. I have a hard time believing that. I, I don't. I don't believe the report actually. Um, and talking to people that I know, talk to James, they're not suggesting that's going to happen. Um, it's too bad, and because they they are the odds the odds on favorite, not a great favorite, to get Victor Wembanyama. And I, as I said to you the other day, or maybe yesterday, like poor Victor, like he he did not work his ass off to be this kind of player to go to that fucking franchise. City is amazing. I love Houston. That franchise sucks right now. Mm-hmm. And how sad is it? It'd be, like, it'd be like the best, to be the best coder in the world and coming out of college or not going to college and, and sign with some bullshit fucking engineering company, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't have a choice. It's stupid. The draft is stupid, but you know how I feel about that. <laughs> and now everyone else does too. <laughs> don't you agree that it's not I great for the barely, NBA that I, Victor goes to Houston I, yeah I'm years I mean like you know let's not, I don't know you know 
stuff I want to say publicly about how the Rockets are run. <laughs> but like, we talked a lot about the Kings back in the day, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I published a story at one point, I've talked about this before, about like a, an unnamed NBA team where their GM showed up for about four hours a week. And I published it on ESPN.com. Let's make this up at like 9 a.m. By 11 a.m., I'd gotten three phone calls from saying, how'd you know about our GM? And I'm like, it wasn't your GM, which meant that there were two, four yeah, front yeah, offices right. where the people in the front office felt like the GM was barely there, ever there, yeah. right? And um, and to me, I'm like, and those teams get the best picks. Yeah. Right? They're just very poorly run. Even the people who work there aren't proud of what they're doing. Like, it's this is what the draft does, is it makes it so that the billionaires can't fail, right? Like, it's embarrassing. Like, I think you buy a team, a lot of cases, so that the, so like the Mark Cuban figure looks way cooler, right? He's a much cooler, he's not going to host Shark Tank as a software salesman, right? right? He has to be the owner of the Dallas Mavericks to be on Shark Tank, right? He's way cooler, but he doesn't look cool if the Mavericks are super bad, right? For a long time. So Donald Sterling doesn't get to be hosting Shark Tank, right? Right. Um, so I think there's like this, they just give themselves in the, in the collective bargaining agreement, this like gift of, oh, are you terrible at this? Did you take all the money out of the franchise and ruin everything and lay people off in the pandemic? Like, well, that will make you look bad. So here you go. We'll give you a very tall Frenchman and he's going to make you look smarter <laughs> and cooler really and more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Can really shoot. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it just seems, Plans. you know, they could say bass backwards. It's just not, not our best practice yeah. to, to, yeah. to reward a terrible franchise and punish the athlete who worked his ass off to get drafted number one. And yeah, he's super tall. That He didn't work his ass off for that. But I've seen a whole bunch of 7'4 guys in my life, and none of them played like Victor. He fucking worked for that. They don't have drafts in Europe, right? I ended up talking to this uh, European economist, and he was basically like, you know, you got you have the reputation that you guys are capitalists in America and we're socialists here. He's like, but non-sports, like, no. you guys are totally socialist and we're yeah. totally capitalist, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh. Good point. Like Tillman Fertitta, socialist, right? right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Cade Cunningham is hurt. A little up- upside though for the Pistons. Yeah, Killian Hayes, who we, we, we was not a good player. Speaking of uh, socialist uh, Europe, he from France, uh, who's Killian's dad, grew up near where I live, yeah. and played overseas as a pro and stayed there. And Killian is is really looking like. He's got a place in this league. It might just be as a backup one. That's okay. That ends up being his future. Uh, but he's had some big moments. He's had a lot of average moments, but early on, he just had nothing but bad moments. So he looks like a professional point guard now. Uh, mm-hmm. Has had a couple of good scoring games, uh, reading pick and roll well, feistier on defense, more athletic overall. Uh, Tyus Jones is not going to apologize for his contract backing up John Morant. If ultimately... Uh, Killian backs up Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham. Well, that's a nice trio of guards for the Pistons next year. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Detroit should be happy about that. Yes. Um, okay. So quickly, let's get to Donovan Mitchell returning to Salt Lake City on Tuesday. Um, and Jordan Clarkson did some crazy shots. The Jazz won by two, but uh, Donovan scored 46. Hmm. And his return kind of reminded everybody of the conversation Donovan had with Mark Spears on Anscape right before Christmas which was fascinating. Um, very honest. I thought, um, he talked about how it, um, it's no secret. There's a lot of stuff that I dealt with being in Utah off the floor. It was draining. I'm editing a little bit here. Um, uh, I'm not supposed, uh, saying some fans. It was, um, 
you can't sit in your room and cheer for me and then do all these different things. I'm not saying specifically every fan, but I just feel like it was a lot of things. A state senator saying I need to get educated on my own black history, seeing black kids getting bullied because of their skin color, seeing a little girl hang herself because she's being bullied. I'm skipping ahead here. Um, it became a lot to have to deal with on a nightly basis. I got pulled over once. I got an attitude from a cop until I gave him my ID, and that forever made me wonder what happens to the young black kid in Utah that doesn't have that power to just be like, this is who I am. And that was one of the things that, for me that I took to heart. Yeah. Well, on, on that subject, uh, as someone who's been more critical of the Jazz doing, you're breaking the team apart, no one's been more critical than me. And I could have been wrong if they knew Donovan wasn't going to resign there whenever that day was. And maybe even would ask for a trade prior to that moment, which is always possible with these guys who know they're not going to finish their, their, their career at a place. Um, what, what is the NBA doing about this? Like, we, who, who do you think they're signing a free agency? And I, and I know their answer can be, well, that's what the money's going to be for. What, what the money's going to supposed to plaster over the racism that exists in this state and in this city, potentially. Salt Lake City, is a, I've been there many times. It's lovely. The rest of the state, maybe not so much in terms of how they treat their athletes and, and people of color in the community. Uh, it's a problem. This is an hour show that we won't don't have time for today. What is the NBA, what can they do from players and owners to speak out against the crazy shit happening in the country when they have an NBA team in that state, in one of those kinds of states, where you have the Jim Jordans as a, as a congressperson in Ohio. You have some of these senators, state and federal, saying the kind of things they're saying. Uh, the NBA's got some leverage. I'd like to see them use it. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have a situation where I hope Agents and players just keep dealing with the, the teams that are dealing with uh, uh, states that really welcome those kinds of players, people who look like them in their state. That's right. I could see that happening. We talk about player empowerment. That's real player empowerment. It's not just empowering you, but it's empowering the entire state, the whole community as to how things should be. You're not, you don't have to dictate every single political issue, but these are big picture issues that I, I'd like to see them take more of a stand on. In the bubble, they stopped the league for this topic, right? Yep. Adam Silver said the, the NBA players are like the best positioned humans on the planet to be heard on this, right? And then they wooed them back to the court with $300 million going to charity, right? Which I guess is rolling out, and I hope it's doing wonderful things. Yeah. But like, oops, we didn't fix this, right? Like Donovan saying these like... Um, you know, being in Cleveland now, you see his courtside, it's just refreshing. It's a blessing, right? He just like that, just feeling safe, right? Like feeling loved and respected. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it, you know, they did the big play, right? Like they, they refused to go out onto the court to fix this. And like, I just, and then the billionaires were like, well, I got some money. Money good? It's like, right, I'll take the money. You know what I mean? Well, it's, always like, what it, it's always what I it mean, is. Money's great. Don't get me wrong, but like. This is Donald Trump's whole MO. Well, one of his many MOs is yeah. just deal with my being a bully. Here's money. Yeah. It's like an ongoing issue. I mean, I mean, even players have spoken about, I think there are definitely just certain venues in certain cities that you know you're going to just hear what you're going to hear. It's, gonna, it's always going to be some shit. You just have to be prepared for it. Um, there's no way to truly prepare for it. I mean, you got guys, you got guys like LeBron or, or Draymond pointing people out in the crowd and saying, hey, this per- I can't I can't work under these conditions, and unfortunately, they tend to happen in certain states way more so than others. Right, and yeah. I, and I know that uh, a player who says I'm going to go play in Salt Lake City because of how much they're willing to pay me, 
when someone else may be not. And they're, mm-hmm. they're e- it's easy for them to say, I hear this everywhere. Like, I, I'm not just going to hold them accountable. And I get it. Mm-hmm. I certainly understand their point of view on it. Uh, the owner of the Jazz defended Donovan when a state senator went after him over the mm-hmm. whole critical race theory thing, which we know is a bunch of made-up hooey. Not, not that theory. The idea that we're indoctr- my, my mom, my wife is a teacher. <laughs> they're, they're trying to learn their A's and B's and C's. Come on. Um, but that Ryan Smith had Donovan's back. But to what extent? Like, yeah. he really just said, he made a snide remark to the state senator, but you're not really funding the kind of issues and, and using the, the, the bully pulpit the Jazz could have to, ch- to help people see the real story. That's not happening. So the only point we're trying to make is the NBA could do a lot more. And I, I think, in, and maybe in my lifetime, they'll start doing it. Professional sports will start doing a better job of realizing if you don't like our politics as a, as a league, we're going to find another city that does, and that city is going to make a mm-hmm. lot of money off us. So get with the program, mm-hmm. get your politics right, or continue to root for Donald Trump or whatever you want to root for him. But it won't be our team because we're not going to be here anymore. It's that's going to be Walker Kessler and Lori Markin. Yeah, like, that's just kind of how it goes. Dudes. Um, no, some like um, yeah. Also, I get I get disappointed. Like you know, I you know, there's a thousand documentaries about the power of sports to play a role in social change, yeah. and that's exciting to me. I love both those things, right? Um, but it, the way that we do it in the NBA is very vague. Like, and the vagary lets a bunch of sins hide, right? So um, basically, like, Donovan leaves the city and then says this, and then everyone praises Donovan for speaking out. But, like, the police officer who pulled him over is fine, right? Like, the mm-hmm. fans who wouldn't believe in anything Donovan believed in or people of his right. skin color are fine. Like, nothing changes, right? Everyone just gets to say, yay. And, like, I don't know that anyone's responsibility is to be specific, but if nobody's really specific about, like, that officer has to go or this policy has to change. Like the work of changing it, I think we'll have to at some point be specific, right? And in sports, we're kind of like, you know, I guess they call it virtue signaling, right? You just kind of like look like you care and say some stuff. And I think for Donovan, it's super real, but like he's not well positioned to like change local Utah politics, right? Like, no, it need, um, you need the league. You need mm-hmm. a lot of people walking in step to yeah. engender change. And you need, honestly, and, you know, probably this, I mean, again, Donovan did more than anyone here, but like this, when he was playing for Utah, much more powerful, right? But like the way that it goes is you wait till you leave because the stakes are too high for you, right? Right. Why would you want to bring that upon yourself and your family? mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. That's the whole point, really, is that they can't even speak out because they'll just ruin their lives. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to win basketball games. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's tough. All right. We top should five. do this top five. Yes. I'm standing in for draw here. This is a thing I think he invented, and he's probably much better than I am, but let's go. <laughs> you show me how it works, David. Yeah, so we'll count down five to one. The way I do it is uh, I look at who, who would win a tournament now. Okay. And um, I don't really care what you did in October. We're in January now. And so with that in mind, I, I can make up whatever I want. You'll see why I say that in a minute. But right now, my number five team is the New Orleans Pelicans. Same. I think, uh, yeah, I might, yeah, I, Zion's out. Uh, it's, it's short term, it looks like. So I have to factor all that in. I think okay. they're, they're very good on both sides of the court. And that's a big thing for me is, is how, how are you? That Denver isn't on my list because they don't guard at all. 
and I have no faith in their defense. So I've got New Orleans at number five. What about you, Henry? So I wanted to make my list like a little bit not boring and not like I wanted to put some surprise music. So for number five, I put the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Literally, yeah. Nice. It's a little bit charity though, right? Like because you know they're missing Brandon Ingram, right. Zion, Herb Jones has been out, or is Herb, it gonna yep, be out? Like yep. um, he's coming back. He's coming back when? Do we know? Very soon. Herb, Very I think soon. Herb just got hurt. He just I mean, you got, can he build a back. great team around the players they have out. Exactly. Right? That's what so, I'm saying. That it, For my mythical tournament, Zion and Brandon will come back. with yeah, Herb, will, Herb will be yeah. back maybe by the weekend. You too. Okay. Okay, great. Number four is uh, Brittany and I, not not the Wizards, but we both <laughs> like the Sixers. I really, I, yeah. I know you don't believe in them. I do. I, I, I think Philly's kind of figuring some stuff out. There's mm-hmm. no drama going on there. Yeah, their bench, totally, bench is playing well. They're good. I'm the most rational thinker um, on this podcast, but um, <laughs> fuck the Sixers. They're banned. <laughs> like, they're not on my list. I don't wow. believe in them. You sound like me. I know. Uh, my number four team is the Nets. I think, um, you know, Same. KD's out. They're probably not a top 10 team without KD, right? But here they are. Okay. I'm playing with number four. I'm hoping that Ben Simmons comes alive. Okay, uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Number three for me, it, the, the next... Two of the next three are easy. Uh, I've got Memphis at three. You're going to have them at one, two, or three. I've got them, I've got them, them at three. And could easily be one or two. Like my top three are all very deserving. I have Memphis number three. What the hell? I thought we'd be yeah. pretty different here. Yeah. They've won 16 of 20 um, with some bad losses. Uh, they've lost the Suns, Warriors, Nuggets, and Thunder. Thunder, yeah. Um, they have an incredibly tough schedule between now and the all-star break. So if they're still really good after that, then, is, yeah, they're going to be right yeah. there. I think they're, I think they're for real. I've got Boston at number two. You probably have a number one. They're, they're really coming to play defense. Now they have the best offense. Uh, they're trending in the, I, I, I would guess next Thursday, they'll be my number one team. But uh, right now I got them number two. I have Boston number two. They wow. eight of ten. They waxed the Bucks, Mavs, Clippers, Pelicans, and get this: the way they can improve, I think, even though they've been pretty lucky with health and stuff, is uh, Tatum and Brown are both like six, seven, eight percent below their career best three point percentage. Yeah, they're not shooting great. Yeah, and if they and they're still just, number one offense. Yeah, so like they're gonna shoot better potentially. Yeah, so you've got Denver number one. Why don't you just worry about your number one first, <laughs> pal? No, no, it's a team show. I'm a, I'm a point guard. I'm always setting people up. You got Denver number one. I, I know. I know why you do. I get it. Jokic is great. So I, I felt like if KD had had been out, was going to be out for this season, then I can't have Brooklyn in my top five. But I can't punish the team for losing a guy for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just my own rules. Uh, and I give respect to what they're doing. And, and I think – and I want to say this um, – KD has made a lot of mistakes as a leader, as the most visible player on their team, one of the most visible players of his generation. But he's managed to kind of stem the stem the the ebbing tide that was happening there, and by just balling out, just keeping it simple, balling out. Did you see the video the other day, Henry, where Jock was running a play for him, and he said, "No, no, do it for Kyrie." Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not surprised he did that. I've never felt he was – we've never felt – you and I have talked about this. He's not a selfish player, just not how he is. Um, and so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to punish the Nets this week. But by next week, I have to start factoring in that he's out. They'll lose some games probably. Boston probably a number one. But tell us why you picked Denver, Henry. Well, I did, as you can probably 
tell, I just looked at recent record, and um, theirs is the best. Like, yeah. they have won 11 of 13, and the wins are against, like, the Celtics, the Suns twice, the Lakers, the Cavs, the Clippers, and the Heat. Like, and then some of them are big wins. Uh, I think they're the best team right now. I know that, you know, they. you can, well, you mentioned some mean things about their defense. But, uh, <laughs> but And probably they, you know, that will prove to be a giant problem. But, like, they're also going to get better, right? They're still. They should. They're still trying to get everybody back. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think that you know this Jokic thing pretty exciting. Well, I would just say not to burst your bubble, but only two of those teams are any good right now. The the Lakers team they beat was missing half their roster, including AD and LeBron and Lonnie Walker and others. Uh, the Heat, eh, the Clippers, eh, they had lost six in a row during that stretch. Uh, Cleveland's for real. And I do you say this, the Suns are not so good, right? They have a losing record. I mean, you, don't, you don't apologize for wins. I don't mean to say that. Listen, they were nine number six. So it's not like they're just, you know, you picked a bad team. Uh, Dude, uh, so you hear that knocking at your door? That's Nikola Jokic. He wants yeah. to talk yeah, to yeah, you. Yeah, I hear, yeah, I hear you. Well, <laughs> when they start guarding people better, I'll believe in them more. Okay. But uh, they'll, they'll trickle into my top five. That's like but so coaching. Yeah, I know it. Any one of these six teams. Uh, I think right now, are, I think they're all legit contenders. And um, the Pelicans, you maybe argue, just don't have that experience. I, I would agree. Besides CJ, they really don't. Valentunas a little bit. Um, but if Zion gets back to where we think he can be, uh, I still think that team is trending in the right direction. Their young guys are getting better. And when they get B.I. as well, um, what's amazing is Phoenix isn't in there. You know, we all think the Suns and Milwaukee's not in there. They've been struggling. And yet those teams are have a chance to be contenders if they figure some stuff out. With Middleton back, I think Milwaukee will be fine. They've been in my top five most of the year. So we talked to like this kind of elite podcast consultant guy, and he said we should keep the show to 40 minutes. We failed. We failed. <laughs> <laughs> you, can cut out, you can cut, Brittany, cut everything I've said out. <laughs> you'll be, you'll be, you'll be right. a little less than 40 minutes. You'll be good. Just play some little music. That's safe for Jokic. That's my Jokic music. Brady, it's been great having you here. Thank you for filling in for Drod while he's in the Caribbean. Yeah, no, this has been great. I can talk with you guys all day. It's been, okay, it's awesome. been fun. Come, come back. I Please will. do. Okay, we'll do a whole wizard show. So, oh, that's kind of a big promise. We'll do like a wizard show. No, 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 you don't have to say that for me. You don't have to, It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate you trying, though. <laughs> all right, that's it. We'll see you guys on Monday.